And by that time, he had given me the basic rundown of 15 victims. I was trying to comprehend what was going on, pushing my sanity, because how could he be doing all this kind of stuff right over here, right in the midst where there are all these people that you got neighbors, you got senior citizens living downstairs from you. You have people like me who is befriending you and you are over here cutting up human bodies, eating body parts. I have eaten a sandwich from you. I have probably eaten someone's body part. How dare you do this to me? Police in Wisconsin this morning are investigating a grisly discovery in a Milwaukee Police apartment. Police found skulls in the refrigerator, lots of dismembered body parts stuffed in cabinets. And Police were led there by a man who told them he'd been attacked with a butcher knife. He may have killed as many as 18 people, most of them male. How many people will be in your party? All right. And... Okay, so will that be a uh, smoking room or a non-smoking room? Okay, uh, yes. And can I get your last name? That next day, I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to see nobody. I didn't even want to talk to my husband at that time. I remember he had gotten up and went to work and left me by myself in this house with all these body parts stacked up around my door. The whole apartment building was in terror. Uh, I'm Dr. Jeffrey Jensen, uh, J-E-N-T-Z-E-N, -E the medical examiner. At the present time, the personnel from the medical examiner's office are continuing to attempt to establish the identification. Uh, we have, at this time, the, um, established there are 11 uh, bodies, uh, victims that are, were recovered from the apartment. Um, these consist of... Uh, I think it was hard to um, come to realizations at that time. Was there a sexual aspect to the killing? Um, I wouldn't want, I couldn't comment on that aspect. Any evidence of cannibalism? Uh, again, there's, there's not anything that would be inconsistent. When we take photographs and scenes, we do that because when you go to a crime scene, you can't possibly process all the information you're seeing. You become somewhat myoptic. There was so much information and there was so much evidence that it was hard to understand and put everything into perspective. And so we use photographs so we can go back over them and look at the evidence again and again and again and make judgments and see things again for the first time. 
when I got home, I was very excited, right? Very excited. Um, and as I walked in the front door, um, my wife was sitting on the edge of the couch watching the TV, which was just blaring at nothing but Dahmer, Dahmer, Dahmer. And you could tell she was visibly shook up. And the first thing she said to me when I walked in the door is, please tell me you're not involved in this. And I said, what, are you kidding? I said, I'm the man. I said, I got the confession. I said, I'm in the middle of this. I said, I'm going day shift. I'm going back to talk to him tomorrow. Oh, and at the time, I didn't want to argue about it, right? I mean, it caused quite a bit of strain. And she really didn't want me to talk to the kids about it, which I didn't want to, but it was all over the news. So you really couldn't get away from it. He's confessed to perhaps some of the most gruesome murders in United States history. The next day when I was opening the blue container, I started removing decomposing skeletons. And uh, um, it, was, it was rather um, unsettling uh, to be removing, you know, three skeletons from uh, that container. He had asked to see me that next day because they asked him or something, did you want to see someone? And he had said that, well, I'd like to talk to my neighbor. And I said, I'm not going down there. I don't want to talk to him. He wasn't my friend. You know, he was, he just used me like he used everyone, you know? So you are so alone. Before Jeff was put in a cell, I had made a deal with him that he would not talk to a lawyer until he helped me identify Charles, all the, the victims. That seems striking to me is his willingness and his attorney's willingness to discuss the details of the case. All we've heard so far, and they are grisly details indeed, those are only the surface details. Those are only the broadest. As an investigator, when someone is put back in a jail cell, you can't just go and talk to them the next day. That's against their constitutional rights. The only way they can talk to you is if they request to talk to you. And this gives a little insight into the relationship that I built with Jeffrey and the fact that he bought into this relationship as his means of salvation. No one could sleep in their own apartment. No one closed their doors. That next night, we were all like, oh my God, where are we gonna sleep at? Well, everybody, let's just go down and sleep in the front. So we had a big area where the elevators come up on the floors. Everybody went up to the front of the building in their pajamas with their pillows and their blankets and laid in the floor. There was glass all on the one side there so you could see outside. But all you could see outside were people on the street, on the lawns. They were camping out. They were just everywhere. Take their pictures or just this stare. This parade of gawkers is only part of the pain for these are planning to move because their lives and their home become a sick tourist attraction. Many are intent on moving. It's an option that, for the short term, seems to make sense. I'm thinking about it. And really, I'm, I'm just tired. And I had had a couch that Jeff had gave me, this red couch. So I had the couch in my house. And there were people that were willing to pay 50 bucks to come in and sit on my couch. Or this other guy had a glass that Jeff had drank some water out of. These people were actually paying just to hold it. I'll be right back.
for waiting. No problem. At the end of that third day of talking to him before he was going to go into court, he said to me, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. I mean, I have to go to court tomorrow. And he already knew by then that there was news media all over the place because I was bringing paperwork. Hey, look what they're saying about you every day. I'd bring the paper in, right? He was concerned about, you know, that he looked all greasy and funky. And am I going to have to go in this paper dress suit? Let's take a look uh, this picture that we have of uh, Jeffrey Dahmer is 1982, so it'll be interesting to see how his appearance has changed in the intervening years. He will be appearing in the courtroom here at the public safety. So I went home that night, and I had my oldest boy at the time was a sophomore in high school, and he was damn near 6'1", 6'2", 185 pounds. Um, so I asked him, I said, hey, Pat, do you have any uh, a shirt and some pants that you don't like? And, of course, he pulled out this this blue striped shirt. He goes, yeah, this is one you gave me for Christmas that I will never wear. He goes, yeah, you can have this one. And they also he had a pair of black jeans that he gave me, right? So the next day when I went in, as and we were preparing for court, I gave those to Jeffrey Dahmer and he put them on. That's There's Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer, that the man in the striped shirt uh, is the defendant. He is this uh, apparently a part of his decision to, as he put it, tell the whole truth. The man who is back. Well, that's the, the shirt that jacket, is on People boy. magazine, the blue and white striped shirt, where people say, oh, look how he's dressed like a tennis player. And they made all these assumptions about his choice. But that was my son's shirt and pants that he wore there. All right, thank you. They took him back into the judge's chambers, and their individual cell where they hold prisoners. He started to get out of those clothes and get in, because now he was going to go over to the county, so he's putting on his orange jumpsuit. He tried to hand me back the shirt and the pants. And at the time, I said, no, Jeff, you know, that's all right. You can keep them.